talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. All week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Evening, one and all, and welcome to another episode of The Dropped Kickoff. And while there's been all the hullabaloo uh, and the fallout from the Rugby World Cup, it's uh, easy to forget that the grand final of the NRC kicks off this weekend, and it has been an absolutely enthralling season. And so to predict that grand final and to kind of have a bit of a season uh, NRC wrap-up, essentially, I'm joined once again, by the man who knows everything NRC and probably the busiest bloke in Australia sport, Brett McKay. Brett, how are you, mate? Yeah, well, Ace, I'm well. I can't believe we're at uh, at, at week week nine, the, the last round of the season, or the last week of the season already. It's been enthralling, like you say, um, and I've got no doubt the grand, the grand final will be exactly that uh, on Saturday. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's a fast season. Time flies, and particularly with the results that we've had, it has been an absolute beauty of a season. So I think we'll we'll dive right in. And this time we've only just got we're going to keep it short and sweet uh, this this podcast, and we're going to keep it to four of our questions. Question one: Our favourite moment from the semi-finals just gone. Question two: The Force versus the Vikings. Where will the grand final be won and lost? For both teams. Question three: um, We had the Rising Star Awards last week, and Harry Wilson, uh, uh, this week rather, and Harry Wilson came away as victor um, in that uh, competition. But who were three f- players of this um, from our, uh, three players of ours who were not selected in the Rising Star Awards? And then lastly, question four, kind of to bring the NRC to a close: Is this being the season that the NRC has finally come of age? So uh, well, I guess, uh, Brett, we'll dive straight in uh, to the, the rugby that uh, just started. And we it was an absolutely fantastic weekend of NRC. And just when I thought that the season couldn't get any better, um, <laughs> we had we had two unbelievably close matches um, with the Western Force um, sneaking home against a very fast-finishing Brisbane City uh, 42-38 in Perth in front of a great crowd. And then the following day, Canberra pulling off one of the, uh, another unbelievable victory uh, over the Fiji Jura, coming from 22-0 down to win 28-27. I know you were at that game, Brett, and enjoying mm. the very famous steak sandwich uh, that the Viking Park has. What was and, your and the, and the roast, and the, Well, the roast pork roll was the highlight, uh, certainly yeah. the first. Half. Um, <laughs> oh, look, yeah, look, it's it's hard to go past uh, Noel Lalesio's kick to win to win that. Um, yeah, I I actually thought the force were pretty comfortable um, in the in the first semi final, and, and I know the score was close, but Brisbane City scored two converted tries in the last three minutes, um, and that really brings that margin in. So, I mean, that could well have been um, a much a much bigger win than it was, but there's no doubt Noel Alessio's kick um, from the right hand side of the post, the wrong side for a right footer. Um, that that's a clear highlight. Like that's a real clutch kick, and um, I had to laugh afterwards. I I said to him, um, I asked him when Tommy Banks goes over the line. You know, were you yelling out, "Keep going, keep going, get to the middle of the post"? And he and he he, <laughs> he had to laugh. He said, 
my he said my initial response was, oh, all right, no worries, Lonas has got this covered. And then he went, oh no, I've got to kick this. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was just that there was just that little moment of panic where he realised it was on him. But then you know once once that little moment um, is gone, and he said, you know, then for it's just a matter of you know setting it up and going through the process and all that. And he said he, he, he admitted uh, here in Canberra on on, um, uh, on Tuesday that he could hear the some of the Fijian fans in the background were giving him a little bit of a uh, little bit of stick. And, um, but yeah, just just completely slotted it just straight over the black dot from the moment it left the boot. Um, if you happen to see my picture on Twitter of the of, of the moment, um, the ball is actually still in flight before it got to the post, but even then, it's well and truly on target. So, um, a great kick from a very, very good young player. Yeah, and it's so good to see, you know, how he was able to ta- to be in that clutch moment and just handle it the way that he did. I kind of was feeling it was. It's been a fascinating fortnight for the Drill because I think that last match they had against Queensland Country could have been decided on a kick as well um, yeah. after the bell. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, it's. I thought it was a amazing comeback by Canberra. I thought they were really choked out of that game by the Drewer in the first half, and you know I thought the Drewer were controlling it very well, but it was just pure clutch from the second half from Canberra. I really enjoyed that the um the Force uh, Brisbane City game. I kind of was expecting the Force to run away with it, even though Brisbane had pushed them last time they were in Perth. I'd set it up. I was down in the in the Southern Highlands for the weekend, and I and I set it up to, um, for my dad to watch. And around the 50th minute, when the score was about 42-17, my dad was like, "Oh, game's over now. It's all over now." And I just and I just said, <laughs> I just said to him, "No, no, no. I've seen teams come back from a bigger margin than this." And lo and behold, by the end of it, he was glued to it, going, he couldn't stop yeah. watching, um, which was uh, <laughs> I had a bit of a laugh about. But yeah. I thought the highlight for me was just to see both those games got really good attendance, really good crowds that really got into it. Like I could hear those um, Fijian players giving Lalesio, um some some lip from the broadcast. It was there was a lot of passion in those games, and I it was so fantastic to see uh, all of the fan support and behind it as it has been throughout the season. I think it was it was there were just two. Really good games played in front of great crowds and passionate crowds, and it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, can't can't disagree with that, any of that, and um, certainly it was a little bit cooler in in Canberra than it was in Perth. I know, I know, it was about thirty two degrees at midday when that game kicked off, and you could certainly see the the people on the hill moving with the shade as the yeah. game. Was. But, uh, but certainly, um, certainly, people loved loved uh, loved sitting in the sunshine on the on the eastern side. Um, at Viking Park, which was which is great to see. Yeah, exactly, and I think that'll lead us quite nicely uh, into into question two. This weekend we have the big dance with the Western Force hosting the Canberra Vikings in uh, in at UWA Sports Park on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday. Um, so this is a f- fascinating. I mean, at the start of the season, you and I had predicted that these two teams would be hosting the final, and um, and here they are. And now that they are here, um, this, I think, is going to be a really fascinating clash 
because I, I get the vibe from the last time they clashed when you know the force ran ran over the top of the Vikings in in uh, in in Perth. Like you mentioned, it was quite a young Viking side that went over there. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think this grand final is going to be won and lost? Well, well, well the Vikings have gone for a different approach. I can I can certainly tell you that um, they um, they. Last time they went over early, they they went like back. This is what round four, wasn't it? They they went over early, went over about. Thir- I think they flew out of Canberra Thursday morning, went via Melbourne, got into Perth around you know lunchtime, mid afternoon. Um, had their captains run in Perth and then played Saturday, and they were flat as attack. <laughs> they just mm, yeah. had copped a hiding as you can, uh, as as you remember. This time they're not leaving Canberra until Friday. Um, so it's very much going to be a going to be a short, sharp, um, you know, hit and run mission. Um, you know, get in, get out, sort of thing, and get it done. And 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 the hope being that they can just, um, you know, just just be be sharper than they were. Uh, and they're going to need to be, obviously, because um, you know the uh, the force are just. I think they're so well drilled, and, and it's very obvious that they've been playing together all year. I know there's been a little bit of change, and there's a few uh, a few guys on the outside backs that weren't there for the uh, for the global rapid rugby um campaign but they just look like a a team and the, and the core of that team has certainly played um you know a fair bit of rugby together over this over this last uh, this last year or so so um where's it going to be one on the last look I, I think the two teams will have a slightly different approach about it i, I reckon the we know the force have got really good finishes out wide in placid and and, uh, and byron ralston um so, so they will look to go wide. There's no question about that. Canberra, I reckon, will want to try and keep it fairly tight and fairly direct and use their back row strength, particularly if Rob Valentini comes back and starts at number eight. He was a late withdrawal there on Saturday. Um, and Angus Allen had an, an absolutely outstanding game in his um, in his absence. But the Vikings, I think, will want to keep this fairly direct. Um, they've got some really, really good ball carriers, Um you know, Noel Alessio is playing with a bit more confidence. I think he, um, I think that just sort of went away from him from his game after that force that lost to the force, funnily enough. And then he sat round six and seven out. He's back now, and um, yeah, I think he's just just coming along fairly nicely. And then outside him, you've got Iroh Simone and uh, and Lenny Ikitao in the centres, um, and they're a couple of really really talented guys who haven't played a lot of rugby together. They play for different clubs here in Canberra. Um, wouldn't have played a lot of... They spent would have spent time together at Brumby's training, but haven't played a lot together. Um, but they've got a really good combination. They've had a really good combination through this tournament um, all, already. And, uh, yeah, I think they can they can really do some damage up through the middle if, uh, if the force allow them to. Yeah, and I think look, it's a lot of interesting points you you kind of touch on there and for me i mean i really think this game is really going to be like you say decided in the backs i think a lot because i actually think looking at the at the forwards for both sides on paper i actually think they're pretty evenly matched i think we have mentioned in the past how i think that the forces um forward pack had been a bit of a weakness in the past um but Looking at them kind of on paper side by side, I mean, for the Vikings, you've got Blake Enneval, you've got Darcy Swain, you've got Pete Samu. Um, well, Dar- Dar- Darcy, Swain's, Darcy Swain's out. He broke his thumb a couple of weeks ago, but they've got oh, no. yeah. in yes, the starting right. and he's been outstanding. 
Yes, that's right, exactly. And but you them going up against the likes of Jeremy Thrush, um, and all of those fantastic players. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that that is going to be a, fan, a fascinating clash mm. at uh, in terms of up front, and I. I and and I can't see even though I think that the quality on both sides of the forward pack is really good. The fact that the sheer fact that there is so much quality makes me wonder. I don't know. I I'm curious to see which side, if any, will be able to get the upper hand in the forward pack. Um, considering as well that both sides are so well drilled. So for me, I really think that you know you've got the forces finishes out on the uh, out on the wing like Jonah Placid. And uh, the, the 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 fellow who got the his name's escaped me the one who Byron Ralston yes that's the one the one who uh, was nominated in rising in yep. the rising star award um, really showing uh, so much potential in terms of an, of attacking weapons coming up against the likes of Simone of Tom against Tom Banks I just think that is going to be such a fascinating yeah. clash there's so many talent there's so much talent all around the park for both sides. And yeah. it's just so fascinating um, how that's going to play out. I think, um, I, I think, I, th- I think you're right. And, and like the, the force can certainly handle their own in, in the forwards, but if they allow the game to be drawn into a forwards battle, then, then that's when the class of the Vikings back row can take over. You, you think, you think about it again and again, if Valentini play, if Valentini plays, at number eight, they'll have Pete Samu, Will Miller, and Rob Valentini um, coming up against uh, Carlo Tizano, um, who's been playing number eight for them, not Brynard Stand. He's been coming off the bench. Uh, Tevin Ferris is in there somewhere. So you can you can see where I'm going. It's it's yeah. very uh, a, a young, mobile, very talented back row for the force. Coming up against genuine super quality, super rugby quality um, from the uh, from the Vikings, and so I think the last thing the Force will want to do is allow themselves to be drawn into a uh, you know a down and dirty in the in the in the dark areas type battle because I think um, that plays into the the Vikings hands, and um, you know Pete Sam has just been incredible for them. Will Miller has been. Uh, he's only just moved down to Canberra, of course, for mm. for the NRC, having signed with the Brumbies. And um, you know, I think it's taken a little bit of time for him to uh, to get stuck into things. But um, yeah, you know, he he's certainly starting to have an impact now. Yeah, exactly. I think it's um, I think that's it's going to be a really fascinating clash. I think the cla- I think of, of all the the clashes though, the one that kind of uh, another one that I think will probably fly on un- fly un- under the radar of many, but. The one that I'm really looking forward to is the clash of scrum at the scrum half position. Yeah. Because um, I'm assuming Pryor is still out, and Isaac Fine yeah. has been in outstanding form. I think he was kind of the big reason why the the force really ran away with that game against Brisbane City, and he's coming up against the likes of of Ryan Lonigan um, mm-hmm. for the Vikings, who again has been playing really well in terms of just been, just been really solid. And and yeah. it's and it's meant that it's meant that Nick Scriven has had the luxury of um, of playing Joey Powell off the bench for the last you know thirty minutes of game. So um, yeah, re- really nice little situation for him to be in. But yeah, I think I think you're right. And look, of course, Isaac Fines spent a little bit of time in Canberra, um, so you know it'll be coming up against guys that he knows well. But I agree. I mean, the halves in general, um, Deegan and, and Lelesio is going to be uh, it's going to be pretty interesting mm. as well. 
Yeah, exactly. Look, I think it's going to be a, a an awesome, uh, awesome clash. What is your who? Who do you think is going to be lifting the toast rack come the end? Um, look, I, I reckon I'd force the force at home. I think have to start favourites, but I, I, I just keep thinking that the Vikings have been to the final twice and and have been disappointing both times in 2015 and 2017. Um, so, you know, they're, they're away again. Um, you know, the force have played in two finals, one, uh, yeah, both of them as, as, as per spirit, obviously, uh, one, one in 2016 and one at away from home, you know, how they're going to handle the expectation and all that. Look, I, I don't think there'll be much in this, mate. Um, mm. I hope from a, I hope from a, follow-up story point of view next week i can talk to some happy vikings guys <laughs> so yeah obviously the uh the, the locality side of me hopes that um the vikings can get it done but i wouldn't be disappointed if the force can win it at home as well yeah look i think we're, we're in an interesting situation here i think in terms of the result as a whole uh, the vikings are due um they yeah, turned up yeah, yeah they are due for uh they are due in terms of uh, of actually winning one of these, considering the amount of talent that's available there, considering the amount of, um, of and the fact that in previous years they've really often fallen at the final hurdle um, yeah. in many instances. But at the same time, I personally think that there is no place I think at the moment, probably with the exception of Fiji, to win at then in WA. I think the uh, force. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the force have really put a fortress mentality um, around playing in WA, and I can't. It's been a long time since a team went, uh, went away I there. Know, I really think of Sydney beat them over there not last season, the season before. Um, yeah, and I think the last one was the Drua at the end of last season. I think because the Drua yeah. won it last year and then knocked off Perth. In uh, in the semi final, I have a feeling. Yeah, right. I think it was, um, which was yeah, which was I think the last time. Which, but even then, that match, so I think, yeah, still yeah. we're still only talking. We're still only talking about two games in you know four seasons, realistically. Yeah, so, yeah I agree with you. They, they they love they love playing in front of, in front of the, the the packed hill. I've got no doubt it will be a packed hill um, on Saturday. I, I, I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be look and it. It won't be a bad thing at all for the Australian, for Australian rugby in general um, to, if, if the force can win this. I think that would be a great yeah. little story in its own right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think as much as – we're in a great situation where it wouldn't be bad for either side to walk away with it. Um, I think that my – I mean, as much as I do think Canberra are very much due to win, um, I think really uh, considering how close these sides are, I really think that home field advantage is what's going to – going to separate these two teams, which uh, it's, means it's going to be a really great match uh, come yeah. Saturday. Um, yeah. So kind of looking away from those uh, from the upcoming games this weekend, and we'll kind of dive into uh, kind of a bit more of a review, a general review of the season. Um, so kind of one of the things that we talked a lot about uh, in depth uh, last week was the uh, NRC uh, Rising Star Award, um, which ended up going to Harry Wilson from Queensland Country, and deservedly so. He played a, an outstanding uh, season. Um, but it kind of got us thinking, uh, who are our three other players um, who didn't uh, get selected for the Rising Star Awards, 
who really stood out to us. And I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this, Mm. Brett, because there's – I, I kind of feel very sorry for you that you've had to pick the Rising Star Award because there have been so many people that have stood up this yeah. season. Oh, and look, just 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 on just on that, I'll give you a, a little bit of insight about just how tight that vote was. Um, I had eleven. There was eleven of us in total um, in the voting on on the voting panel, um, and Fraser McWright and Harry Wilson were locked on eighteen until the last set of votes came in. And, and it was it was only that that Harry Wilson got a got a three point vote there that that broke the deadlock. So that gives you an idea of how close it was last year. Um, and I think it was you know six or seven or eight of us on the on the voting panel. We all gave Alavarini Vatikani three votes. Yeah. <laughs> so he wanted he wanted an absolute landslide. But it was a lot tighter this year. And even you now Will Harrison's come in third, but Byron Rolston was only a few points behind him, and then Noel Alessio was only a few points behind him as well. Yeah. So um, a lot tighter this year. Look, um, three three away from the rising star. Look, I've mentioned one of them already. Pete Samu, I think, has been a little bit forgotten um, this year mm. in, in 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 broader Australian rugby, but he's been outstanding for the Vikings. He really has been their best player, I reckon, every week, um, and he's just. He's just, you know, he would have had plenty of reason to be, you know, kicking the kicking the cans to the curb after missing out in the World Cup squad and all that. But he's just got down to his job and he's just enjoying his footy and he's um, he's really played some great some great rugby. And, and I know back in Super Rugby um, during the year and he started, you know, maybe four or four when when Lockie McCaffrey was injured and so Pete Samu started five or six games in a row at number eight. Um, and I remember I remember asking him sort of three or four games into that, how much of an adjustment he'd had to make or whether he'd, he'd, he'd noticed any big difference. And he, and he admitted that it, it, it had actually taken him a little while because he'd become so used to coming off the bench and sort of pinch hitting at six or eight or seven occasionally for, for 35 minutes that starting at number eight was actually a different game to him. Um, and so, um, yeah, he's, he's played, played at blindside um, through this NRC and he's just been, been really good. Played some big minutes, played a lot of 80 minute games as well. Um, and yeah, he's just, just been really, really good for the Vikings. And I've got no doubt at all that if if they do win on Saturday, um, he will be very, very close to, uh, to the best player on the field if, if it's not him. Um, I reckon Andrew Deegan is another one. Uh, Western yeah. Force fly half. He's been really, really consistent. Um, and I think that, bodes well for him coming east to join the uh, the Rebels for Super Rugby mm. next year. And as we touched on last week, that'll be fascinating to see how that plays out with um, Matt Tamura and Reese Hodge, obviously, in, in their midfield, we think, next year. Um, I just think Deegan's been... Uh, he's He's been the guy to spark their attack, but he's he's the one that has dictated when they go wide and, and how early and how quickly they go wide. So... Um, the four centres this year. I mean, Palmer Fowles coming uh, toward the end of the year, and he's done done pretty well, pretty all right. Uh, Nick Eust was playing outside centre, played twelve on the weekend, and had a pretty strong game. But I actually feel like the four centres haven't had to do a lot this year. They've sort of been a uh, just pretty much a linking pass, if you like, from from Deegan wide to to, to get it out to Rolston and, uh, and Jonah Plassett out wide. So and and Jack Jack McGregor in there as well. So. Um, Deegan has really, really directed the force around the field pretty well this year. Uh, so I think he's certainly been a little bit unheralded. And that 
then leaves me the third player who I've sort of got to think about as I'm talking about all this. I'll mention Isaac Lucas actually, um, and he one of the conversations with the uh, with one of the um, Rising Star voting panelists um, he just just said how close did Isaac Lucas come? And I said, well, to be fair, I'm, I didn't really think about him because I don't think he's eligible, but you're right. He's probably been one of Brisbane City's best this year, um, you know, Fraser McRide aside. So, um, and again, I think that bodes really well for, for the Reds next year because it certainly feels like um, Isaac Lucas is going to be their, their main focus at, um, at number 10 next year to the point where Hamish Stewart played inside centre for Queensland Country. And I'm sure that wasn't by, uh, by accident. I'm sure that's by design up there from, uh, from the Reds. So, um, yeah, look, he's he's looked looked hand, very different sort of ten to uh, to Andrew Deegan, um, a very different sort of ten to probably most Australian fly halves, but looks really really promising, doesn't he? He does, and he was one of the ones that I was you know considering when I was thinking about it. I I think he wasn't. He did play about seven or eight games for the Reds this year, didn't he? He, yeah. he? he was in. He was kind of in and around the squad for quite a bit. I've been really impressed with how far he came particularly you know in those uh, near the end of the season he was what was so impressive for me in terms of you know Isaac Lucas was just he's he's got that spark that spark yeah. that that particularly that came through just suddenly you know that ability to make something out of nothing which yeah. you know from a fly half position we've been crying out for for years um and it's just to see him kind of just to really start to show that um, in the back half of the season was something that I think bodes extremely well uh, for the Reds next year, particularly as he he grows and, and matures as a player. Um, yeah. yeah. So when you, when you think that when you think that um, uh, Bryce Hegarty comes back into the city side for the last couple of games, uh, and I mean it must have been tempting to throw him straight into ten, but they've played him at fullback, and I think that's mm-hmm. actually uh, yeah, it's a great vote of confidence for Isaac Lucas, but it's actually a bit of a, a bit of indication, I think, to how the Reds are going to play next year. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it, it says a lot about the, uh, about the amount of talent coming through and the amount of years that they've been working with that country and city system, how much talent they do have coming through. For me, yep. the, Kind of the the first, one of the big first ones that stuck, that, that stuck out to me came from the Fijian Drua. Um, I had not didn't know a huge amount about Johnny Dwyer before oh, the start yeah. of this season, but this guy you mentioned him, yeah. <laughs> this guy is the stuff of nightmares. He was one yeah. of the most I thought he was one of the most outstanding forwards, particularly in the latter half of the season. He gave the Drewer so much go forward, was mm. incre- a, a really good finisher. He scored a couple of tries throughout the season and genuinely looks he was a one of the most imposing players, um, I think, and intimidating players in terms of uh, forward pack and forward, you know, hit up, go forward, that I think I've seen in the competition. And I thought his performances, um, particularly in uh, in the latter half of the season, really was what got this Drua team into the semifinals. Where it was a, he was a big part of that for me. And wow. I, it was yeah. huge, huge this year, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was, And I thought it was fantastic to see... You know, because he is quite a young, he's still quite a young player, like mid mid twenties. So he's 20, 27. Um, mm. And I'm just just quickly while you're while you're talking, um, just trying to work out how many how many tests he's played for Fiji. I've got a sneaking suspicion he's played a handful. So um, yeah, mm. it's it's uh, it's it's interesting. 
Yeah, he's, he's, an, he's been incredible, hasn't he? I mean, last year it was it was Masesi Voka who who really provided that that you know that punch from the back row was incredible over the ball. Um, Johnny Dyer played a fair bit last year, but he often was playing six or eight. This year he comes he comes into open side and he's he's just been an absolute menace, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's been one of the kind of the standout forwards of the of the season, and I think that's really been saying something considering the amount of great forwards that have been standing up in, in all around the competition, especially from the likes of you know Queensland country, Brisbane City, New South Wales country. Um, you know, there was the kind of the other one that I think we've been talking about him a lot this season, and he picked up a contract with the Waratahs um, a couple of days back, Mark Nwangatasi. Um, yeah. For New South Wales country, um, extraordinary name and extraordinary talent. I think this guy, because um, he's been, he was in the, was he, the, he was in the Australia, the younger Australian lineup, the Australian uh, under 18 side. I'm pretty sure. And watching him uh, this year was absolutely outstanding in terms of his finishing role. And I, and it's great to see that he's already picked up a Waratah contract. And I really think that, you know, he's going to have a lot. He's got a very bright future ahead of him in terms of what uh, go forward he can give to the to the Waratah backline uh, next year, which they're going to need a lot of um, for, for the 2020 season. And then um, and then lastly for me, the, the I think we've already made a mention of him, uh, but I've been really impressed um, with Ian Pryor getting injured, Isaac Fiennes uh, coming in from the force. I think... Um, He's. You mentioned he'd been in the Canberra system for a while. I think having. How, I don't know how much time he's been there with the Force, but it looks like that the the open fast forward play of style that the Force have been playing is rubbing off very well with him. And I, I reckon he only went over there last year, mate. Um, and I think he was only because he's from Queensland originally. I, I think he uh, might have only had a season down here with the Brumbies, um, and then went went west um, last year. Maybe even. Maybe even mid-season last year, so he hasn't actually been over there that long. Um, mm. But he certainly certainly fitted in really, really well for them, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. I think he's been a, a really great talent for them, and I am really curious to see how he goes in if he is sticking around for the Global Rapid Rugby season next year. I think he'll be one of the. Um, let's just say I reckon Ian Pry is going to have to really earn his position when he's got someone of that calibre um, potentially coming on. Um, off the bench and being um, competing for uh, for the for the scrum half positions. Mm, oh, exactly right. Uh, it's um, and and we could keep going around, yeah, around the teams and find um, find numerous numerous others as well. So um, I just I just had in the back of my mind while we were talking about um, Isaac Fines that that I think any years he he's actually coming back to Canberra. He's he's been the Brumbies have lured him back. Um, to be the number three halfback, if you like. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I, I did have that right. And I've just found a story going back to September this year. So um, that he'll be a bit of a loss. Um, so that's mm. and that's interesting, isn't it? So, you know, he's playing against Canberra up front. Harry Lloyd for the force uh, is coming back to Canberra next year. But Angus Wagner is going the other way. Oh, so wow. At they might actually lock lock horns up front, which will be interesting. <laughs> wow, that's gonna that's fascinating. Um, gonna I can't wait to see all that. And I think that kind of leads us nicely onto uh, onto our last questions because 
you and me have been, you know, covering this competition for, for a number of years. And, you know, in the past when we finished these podcasts, we've kind of often had a couple of question marks around the competition, around where it fits, if it will have a future or not. I think from this season, you know, not just from the actual NRC itself, I've I really have got a sense, for example, like you, you, we've talked about the URC, the, uh, the under-19s NRC championship, how a lot of the teams are aligned, how we've got a, a real more sense of alignment with a lot of these teams. In your mind, Brett, is this been the first proper season where the NRC has really kind of come of age as a competition and found its place uh, within Australian rugby? Um, oh, look, it's a good question. And on some fronts, it does feel like that, but there's still this lingering feeling in the background that next year still could be the last season of the NRC in this current format. It still feels like that maybe there are changes afoot. And uh, I just, I, I hope that's not the case because I think the, I think this competition has, and it, perhaps it has taken six seasons to do it, that that it, it's just, it's just, I think it's just the right number of teams. It's the right measure. Like it's the right uh, um, spattering of teams, for the want of a better word. You know, mm. I think two, two in, two in Sydney, two in Brisbane is is the right number that we finally got to. Um, I just that there still seems to be a feeling that there is something something in the wind that might involve existing club sides. And I just think that as soon as we start heading down that path, it just it's just gonna undermine everything that the NRC has done. And and mm. you think back to and, and I know that the number at the end of last year was upwards of seventy guys who after playing NRC rugby, made their Super Rugby debut the following year. Yeah, I, I'm just like I don't know why you would go away from that. This, this, this notion that existing clubs can somehow fill that gap, but that widening gap between the club game around the country and professional rugby, I just think it's 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 misguided and it's um, it it really frustrates me because. Because again, you know, you can throw in any two or three or four random clubs out of Sydney that you want to. What immediately are supporters of all the other clubs supposed to do? Yeah, and just think, yeah. you know, just just when you just when we get to this point of of it being Sydney and New South Wales country, like in Queensland, you know, there's there's two very identifiable, very relatable um, teams because you know you, it's not difficult to pick a team on that basis. Um, and if and even if you want to follow both teams, if you're in Sydney or Brisbane, then just do that. I just don't know why we would go away from that. And it's, you know, like pe- people talk about the NRC not having any following and all that, not having any tribalism and all that. Well, neither did clubs when they started 100 yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Neither did did the Brumbies when they started 20 years ago. Mm. So, you know, like everything has to start somewhere. And, you know, promotion will build tribalism. You know, that's that's the way that's the way to get behind a team, get behind a competition is to make people know about it Uh, rather than just saying, you know, I know that you're a supporter of another club in Sydney and I know your club in Sydney is not going to play in this team, but we still want you to get behind it. I, I don't know how you how you make that that argument. So. You know, on on one hand, it it feels like 
it, like it's been a really, really good competition this year. There's no doubt about the rugby's been excellent. Um, we saw this in 2015 as well. As soon as you're in a World Cup year, um, you know, it's a little bit harder to get through. It's been harder, particularly this year, because the World Cup games have been in our time zone. Whereas mm-hmm. in 2015, they were at night, of course, so or early in the morning in the case of the final. Um, so, you know, it's it's certainly battled a bit this year. The, the midday kickoffs, the early afternoon kickoffs have been very deliberate to, to, to make sure there, there isn't any any clashes. And I think there was only four or five or six, you know, yeah. indirect clashes with, with World Cup games, which I think, you know, considering how many NRC games that were played, how many World Cup games they were played, I think five or six is actually pretty good. So, mm. um, you know, look, it's, it's, it's a long-winded way of saying, you know, maybe this has been a, a breakthrough season for the for, for the competition, but until someone actually comes out and says, no, no, this is the way that that this competition is going to go forward, I'm just sort of reluctant to, to say that one way or the other. Yeah, look, I, I agree. And I kind of have found the silence because, I mean, we have seen a lot of questions around the future of the competition and Rugby Australia have been... Um, very tight-lipped about saying that if yeah. this competition is going to be around or not. And the question I want to ask myself when I, whenever I think that is, why? Because yeah. if you're if if you're going to say that the competition, because I think it was envisioned as, as being something that would stick around, and if it's something that is going to stick around within their system, why not come out and say it and put all yeah. of that the, those questions to bed? Um, because it's, I mean, a lot. It looks to me like with all those other competitions and other development pathways building around it, it seems like it's becoming increasingly, to me, a competition that is very valuable. And, um, and, and particularly, when, particularly when the when the, when the Wallabies have 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 fallen uh, fallen out of the World Cup as they have, and you know all this talk about review and you know um, swords being fallen on and all that, and you've got to fix the pathways and all. Well, the pathways are actually pretty good at the moment. Yes, um, we've got a we've got a, a, a maybe a maybe a once in a generation under twenty squad coming through who have actually come through the junior gold pathway like like these guys coming through now have they would have started playing in the the under fifteens and the under seventeens you know junior gold systems that were implemented six and seven years ago so we're actually starting to see some results there that's now filtering into the NRC which in turn will f- filter into uh, into Super Rugby, and yeah, it it feels like that 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 might be all thrown on its head, and and I just I I just wonder, I just wonder. Well, I've been listening to other podcasts that Green and Gold Rugby have been doing, particularly in the last week or so, with the Wallabies kind of capitulating the way they did, and the only unanimous thing that they've talked about is that the talent is there, and I yeah. think it says that the talent is there for to do really great things. And that talent hasn't come from nothing. I mean, how much of that wall of that Wallaby squad came through, started in club rugby, and then really got their break through the NRC? That's yeah. a decent chunk of that Wallaby squad did. And it's no also no surprise to me that you know we talked a lot about how there were a lot of younger players in the NRC season last year who have now gone on to bigger and better successes with mm-hmm. the likes of the junior Wallabies and mm-hmm. with the with the goal program. And and the, and the alignments around having the chance for those players um, get have the chance for them to mingle with Super Rugby players and more experienced players, it's just again a no-brainer. And 
when you have a competition that allows for that week in, week out basis, something that club rugby teams, you know, often you don't get um, because club rugby and super rugby are often playing in tandem with one another, um, you that enables the transfer of knowledge and experience from uh, the more senior players to more junior players. I think, because I'm assuming, you know, and this is something I kind of do want to talk about, with the whole uh, the coverage of it, I've been kind of assuming that, um, you know, with the likes of, you know, the Super W has been often, has, has kind of had a similar system with uh, coverage in terms of the, you know, being broadcast live on rugby. Yeah, yeah, with streams and stuff. And I think, do you think that maybe with the fear that the NRC would potentially be cut if Fox Sports pulled the plug in terms of money support for, for Rugby Australia, that this could have potentially been the, a dummy run of how to get the NRC out there in the future? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt at all. Um, this, um, yeah, yeah, I've got absolutely no doubt. Uh, there's this... Mm. Yeah, they they needed to establish that this could be done. If if suddenly Fox do say, well, actually no, there isn't enough money for that anymore. And it's it's certainly got to be acknowledged that that without Fox Sports, the NRC wouldn't have even got off the ground. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I know that other sponsors you know came came along and and some have come and gone, but but some have have been there the the whole way through. And yeah, there's there's no doubt at all that. Um, that, that these live streams this year and the 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 streams being the quality that they are then being able to be, to be shown on KO Sports as well that I think that is quite likely um, going to be the way forward but I think that just needs to be established sooner rather than later because mm. if we haven't heard something by say March or April next year um, as to the future of the NRC then I don't think it's very good news at all. Um, yeah. on, on either front so so you know it's going to be it's going to be directed by what fox sports want to want to show and what to do and what what they want to pay for um and then it's going to come down to question of what can rugby australia put on the field uh, you know what what sort of programs can they can they put together and can they fund um and, and what can they lure sponsors to get involved with um, at, 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 at a national level? So, uh, yeah, it, it becomes a – it's going to become a very, very interesting little, um, period coming up for the NRC, no doubt. If, if, the, if the argument is that it hasn't done enough to, um, to, to, to grab the casual fan or grab, the, or grab the, the, the rusted ons, then I can't argue with that because we've been saying from, from day one that – you know, a, a bit more promotion or, or some promotion in some cases would, would make a hell of a lot of difference. Uh, yet the crowds really haven't changed from, from season one. Um, so, you know, I, th- I, I think I'm sure I said this last year, we're, we're very much at the point of this competition where it could tip either way. Um, if they want it to become a proper development competition, if they want it to become like, an, like a, 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 a Mitre 10 Cup in, in New Zealand, then it needs more money, and it needs more money for the players, particularly the club players. Mm. Um, so, so that knocking back an opportunity to maybe further their rugby career doesn't have to come at the expense of, it uh, doesn't have to come at a financial expense if they have to take time off work or something like that. So, mm. it's got it. There's it just it just needs it needs more money for promotion, but it needs more money in it 
for the players so that they can actually train as full-time professionals and not just two nights a week like like most of them are still because that's happening around the country and so it has you have that sort of haves and haves not within a squad of the guys that are still training full-time and then they're joined two or three nights a week by you know, by the guys who uh, still still have to work so the sooner you make it a genuine full-time professional comp for three months of the year that's when the NRC you know um, you know really really sticks through and, and, and really starts becoming a, a proper viable product I think exactly and I think that's how we have to ha- have to view it I mean when I kind of was saying about it's an excellent investment Yes, exactly. And I think kind of in terms of when I say done enough in terms of the actual amount of the actual amount of talent that it's been producing, I think has been the key point. But I absolutely agree with you that really if I think that, you know, it, we, you do have a potentially lucrative product on your hands uh, there with the amount with the quality of rugby and the entertainment that's being played. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, so I think on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll probably finish up um, uh, this episode. And I want to say, Brett, thank you so much for helping cover um, all of this season with me. It's been an absolute privilege to, to have you on. Oh, no, it's been it's been, uh, it's been great. I've enjoyed um, enjoyed our chats for the for the last couple of weeks. And look, the final is going to be is going to be great uh, on Saturday. I've got no doubt about it at all. Really looking forward to it. Um, uh, you know, and even with a uh, like, it's 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 going to be weird watching the the World Cup semis this weekend with no skin in the game. And even with a mm. little bit of skin in the game uh, with the Vikings guys, I still know a few of the force guys over there as well. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd certainly would have nothing, uh, nothing against them and, and nothing but, um, but, but congratulations for them if they can get the job done. So uh, just really looking forward to the final. Just hope it's a great game. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic game and, Hopefully, you know, all the um, worries and concerns that we have about the NRC will be responded to in, in a positive way and we'll be talking about it in exactly the same way uh, this time next year. Um, but, yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, so for all our listeners, the grand final of the NRC will kick off uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which will be the Force versus the Canberra Vikings, 12 p.m. local time uh, on Saturday. Um, yeah, so that'll pretty much wrap us up for this episode of The Drop Kickoff. We'll try and get – I'll try and get one more episode – out um, for, before the end of the year, um, but that'll wrap us up in terms of our NRC, NRC coverage. Thanks very much for everyone for listening, and uh, we'll chat to you the next time round. But what did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good. Yeah, very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo. Very good, very good. <laughs>